And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast Growling. Paul Daner Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic coming to you as the draft has just wrapped here on Friday evening, day two, rounds two and three. One of the most important days of the offseason is the Bengals decided to take path chase on Thursday, and a lot happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot happened, and we're going to kind of walk through. Let's do a, a quick recap walking through all of it, and then we'll start diving into a little bit of the analysis of it. Bengals uh, saw – a ton of offensive linemen in front of them at pick 38 when almost none were taken in front of them at the top of the second round, as we talked about, and we didn't see hardly any taken to the bottom of the first round. That run on offensive linemen, we wondered when it was going to happen. Well, it didn't happen until it got to around the Bengals' pick. And so the Bengals said, let's do our primary move initiate our primary weapon and that is what <laughs> moving back in the second round this team loves to do nothing more than to move back in the second round so they did just that for the fourth time in the last five years the only time they have not moved back in the second round in the last five years was when they had t higgins sitting in front of them at 33 last year and fielded calls all day and said you know t higgins is pretty good we're just gonna go with that this is what they love to do, and they love to add picks because of it. So they move back from 38 to 46. New England comes up uh, and gives them two of their fourth-round picks. So the Bengals end up with 46, 122, and 139. So two extra fourth-round picks and give up 38. So that ends up being about a wash right there when you're talking about the points being almost exactly the same. So the Bengals add two fourth round picks. They now have three fourth round picks and move back eight spots. You know, a move that you did in our two round beat rider mock draft, because mm -hmm. it's a primary weapon of the Bengals. And if there were guys they felt like would be in the same universe later on, you can add picks. And they did that. I, I, you know, we can talk about that, but, you know, on its face, a fine move, totally understandable move. A absolutely. But it's a matter of, okay, well, what are they going to end up missing out on? So you see a few of the offensive linemen do go off the board. Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State comes off the board. Liam Eikenberg, who I think a lot of us thought was a nice snug fit for the Bengals potentially there, goes off the board. Walker Little, the uh, injury risk guy from Stanford who had all the measurables, but you got to go back to 2018 tape to watch him play. Um because of injuries and, and other things. And so you, then the Bengals come up and they select Jackson Carmen, uh, who is from Fairfield High School 
and went to Clemson and protected Trevor Lawrence's blind side and, um, you know, was a guy who, if you look at it, most had slotted Dane Brugler, uh, had him back, had Carmen back at 92 overall on his big board. Daniel Jeremiah had him at 96 overall on his big board. He was at 73 overall on the consensus big board. PFF liked him the most and had him at 49 with the Bengals taking him at 46 overall. So the general thought out there, around too early, around and a half too early uh, on Jackson Carmen. But that's their big move. They're going to bring him in. He's going to play guard with the potential to play tackle down the line. We've talked about that idea before, and that's the pick there. So the Bengals then go forward, and what do they need? The edge rusher spot is still there, true to form, bing, bang, boom. They knock out the edge rusher, um, and they go with Joseph Osai out of Texas. And so, uh, you know, a guy who is a little more liked and actually was higher on most of these other big boards, uh, Dane Brugler, in fact, had him at 47 overall on his big board. So you get you, these guys kind of flopped if you're looking at, if you're depending on what board you're looking at. PFF had him more at at, at 60. Daniel Jeremiah hates both these picks. He had him at 88. <laughs> Consensus had Osai at 42. High energy, high motor edge rusher out of Texas. No more picks happen, and the Bengals will go into the fourth round with three picks in the fourth round and a couple of sixes. So it's uh, it's going to be a full Saturday. Jay, you're, let's just jump in to the, to the Jackson Carmen pick here that has a you know that is the most controversial that is one that we'll be talking about for a while what is your first thought on the Carmen pick yeah two things if if you told someone that didn't watch the draft that that today they got Joseph Osai and Jackson Carmen they they would have probably said yeah that's that's a that's a good haul for today <laughs> and then you tell them the order they got him and then I think that's where the the head scratching comes in and when you talk about that trade back, everybody focuses on, you know, what you get, what the compensation is. And, and the bigger deal here is what they missed because the, there were there were three tackles there that I, I think would have been good fits. But you wonder because if, if they – I've not seen anywhere where – like we talked about with Panay Sewell. They would bring him in and he would play guard his rookie year. You know, maybe they didn't view Eichenberg and Little and Jenkins as guys that would play guard. And so if you draft a guy, one of those three, then he's coming in as a second round pick as your swing tackle and he, he may not play. Whereas now you get a guy that can play guard and tackle and he's in the mix for a starting spot. So maybe that was it. Maybe that was the whole key was the position versatility and, and they wanted to get a guy that, that they thought that they could throw in there as a guard this year and have some have the potential. I mean, he played left tackle at Clemson, five-star recruit coming out of high school. It's weird that you would say, can he play tackle? But the consensus is he's a guard, and, and 
You know, there's a question whether he can ever play tackle, but even if he can't, if he's a starting guard for the next four or five years, whether they sign him into a second contract or not, he turns out being a pretty good pick. If he is, yeah. I mean, if, if, and, and I think, you know, you're, you're betting on, you're betting on development, you're betting on traits. You know, he's got, he's got your measurables that you want. Um, he's got your position versatility. He's he's played well in big games. He's a guy that you know, I think they view as an ascending player who started to really come on there towards, especially towards the end. They like all the personality and leadership stuff. Everybody at Clemson swears by him and all that stuff. I mean, that's that's all fine and good. We you know we will look back on this like we will a lot and. And talk about those guys. Talk about really, and not just you know the three that you mentioned, but everybody that came after that. I mean, there were so many. There's so many offensive linemen that people were picking through the warts of. You know, you have a this draft is full. We talked about the depth of it. Yeah, there's a depth of it, but they're all still here in this position for a reason. And so. Everyone is trying to decipher which warts they're comfortable with and why they are and, and how to value that. The other side of this is is we don't know if it was necessarily going to be Carmen here or if maybe they were eyeing Carmen for the third round as a double up or even the fourth if he was around. And then maybe they got bumped in front of him. I mean, the trades that happened, it was a frenzy in the second round, and there were mad trades of people jumping in front of the Bengals once they moved back. So if the Bengals made that move back with a thought of, okay, some of the teams here, we don't think they're going to be taking offensive linemen or tackles, and then all of a sudden, trade in, trade in, trade in. Everybody jumps in to get their people well, that's a part of what happened, including the last one, Walker Little, and it makes you wonder: it was is that the guy? You know, you don't you don't know. And um, but there was a lot of action there, and the Bengals end up going with somebody that I think most would agree was was a reach. Uh, but it's um, you know, it's 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 their it's their guy, and and they're gonna go with him, and he's gonna come in, and I think ideal in their ideal world, they're gonna give him every opportunity to be your starting guard on opening day, protecting Joe Burrow. And so you Bengals fans need to get comfortable with that right now. Yeah, and the thing is, that, I mean, all the reports on him is how athletic he is, and, and he's really going to be an asset in, in Frank Pollock's zone scheme. But you look at what Dane Brugler wrote in The Beast, and he wrote that he's a very good run blocker, and the question is, can he be – a good pass protector and that I think that's going to make everybody wince where we know what position caused the Joe Burrow injury last year now you're putting a, a guy in there that is number one never played the position never taken a snap at guard at any level outside of practice um, so that's a concern and yeah he, he can be the greatest run blocker in the world but it's it's you know can he can he pass protect and again he, you said it. He protected Trevor Lawrence's blind side for an elite program playing elite competition, not necessarily in the season, but they were in the college football playoff every year, won the national title two years ago. Um, he went against Chase Young in that championship game. So he's it's just a different animal to go from you know blocking edge rushers to, to blocking bigger, stronger guys inside. It's 
I, I think there's a little bit of uneasiness um, because of what you said. It's kind of it's a reach. But if if this was their guy, and you get two extra fourth round picks out of it, the fourth round is where this this team is really drafted well. It 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 almost it it, it feels like a boom or bust kind of thing where. It, there, there may not be a middle ground. This is either going to look like the greatest move, or it's going to look like a terrible move. I have, I have two thoughts on, and I'm going to try to not be too long winded about these and try <laughs> to keep myself in a very calm space. Okay, here's the first. I always go back to one of my favorite lines uh, from the Big Lebowski that I use a lot when it, when it covering the Bengals. This is our concern, dude. <laughs> and it's Philip Seymour Hoffman stating the obvious as Lebowski finally figures out uh, what they're talking about. And, and th- this was it. When, when, when you went chase, when you, when you pushed to this, this was why Team Soul was, a th- was, was strong with me. Was you now are asking the Bengals to do something they have historically done poorly over and over and over again. And we don't know what Jackson Carmen is going to turn out to be. And that will be my second point that I'll get to in a second. But this certainly is ripe for criticism when we're talking about some of the other options that were potentially out there. Um, and, and wondering how far they reached and what they could have done and could have still had this guy and another quality prospect there in the second round. Heck, you could have been taken a defensive player. You could have been taken a, an Anzarike or Barmore, who New England came up for, any number of the edge rushers that were up there at that point and, and still made a, made a play to get, to get Carmen later. But the point is, this is why I felt like Team Sewell deserved more. Not that Jamar Chase in that path, if if executed correctly and all goes well and falls perfectly into place, wasn't right. It's that this could happen. Is <laughs> <laughs> that we're sitting here talking about opening day, Joe Burrow and his scarred knee being protected, potentially, by somebody who's never played guard before, who had a bulging disc that he played through last year and had surgery in January that everybody's supposedly he's going to be okay from, but he's got a back issue from last year. I mean, and, and most people had in the nineties and and that is, that is our concern, dude. (laughs) And it was that you would end up in this spot now. And then this is your guy, right? And that, and, and, and it may work out well. And it may turn out they, that Frank Pollock and, and Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor and this whole evaluation crew did get it right. And they saw the traits and they saw the move inside. It was going to be perfect to get it out of them. And, and, they, and they hit it, right? Maybe, that's, maybe that will happen. I, I hope for their sake it does. But this is open to heavy criticism and they are staking a massive chip on it. This is one you could not botch. If you were going to go this way, and it's it's fair to wonder if they did. We don't know. We, we just don't know. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a... Mm, real POS. You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. My second point. Actually, you, I'll save my second point for a second. Jay, I, you, you jump in on that. Well, what I want to say is the, the, the weird thing about this is, is how this has developed into their signature move. Because mm-hmm. I, I've got a good comp here. Trading back, the Bengals trading back in the second round is Arby's. Because oh, oh, oh. They, it, it, I love it. I keep going back to it. And everybody's like, why? That's what this, that's what this is with the faith there. Why? Because you look at what they've done. They've, they've done well enough. You know, they traded back and they got Joe Mixon and they traded back and they got Jesse Bates. So that's, that's great. That part of it's great. But when you look what they've done with the compensation, Malik Jefferson, Rennell Wren, I mean, it's just Josh Malone. They have not taken advantage of these extra picks that they've gotten and so what it, it's just curious what makes that what makes this a move that they're so in love with it's it's great on the surface maybe they're maybe they're playing the law of averages and saying one of these years we're going to get it right and we're going to get the we're going to get the guy we want moving back in the second round and we're going to get the we're going to get the extra picks right but they haven't done it yet the one aspect of that is I do think that the flexibility that extra picks gives you, it's the whole point. Multiple swings is the point mm-hmm. is that, yeah, it, it's like when people would argue with me about comp picks because the actual physical comp picks themselves weren't great. But if the, the other fifth round pick was great, we, that's not affected by comp picks. No, the, the freedom that multiple picks late in drafts gives you, like the freedom they're going to feel in the fourth round on Saturday is the freedom to kind of do whatever you want and to, and to, and to get those multiple swings at, at singular position. So even if that doesn't find itself the pick, the traded for pick hits, but if another one that allowed you to feel freer to take a 
flyer on whoever, you know, we'll talk about these guys later, Michael Carter or, or Kenneth Gainwell or something like mm-hmm. that at running back because you don't feel pressure right then to go in an offensive line because, you know, you've got that next pick sitting there. I think that's part of this success and just the the enjoyment of having that quantity at that point. And I and I do think over time quantity has proven itself. Don't think that you're a better drafter than anybody else. Most people end up being the same drafters. The teams that understand that enough and allow the quantity to help them out is where they win. And I and I do think there's something to that. Even if the actual picks have not hit themselves, it's put them in an advantageous situation. But this brings me to my second point because I feel like I'm in a time warp right now talking about the last time they did this and it didn't go well. And that was the Drew Sample trade back. Mm -hmm. This is that draft all over again. And it is they moved back. they, They wanted Sample. They had their eyes on Sample the whole time, you know. Uh, supposedly, and they go back and they add the pick later, and it's a reach, right? And uh, most people had them around later. Bengals fans commence to destroy this kid. Yep. Drew Sample, who still hears it every time he does anything, even if he's proven to be a fine second tight end and whatever. It's not his fault that a team reached for him in the second round because they liked his character, they liked the way he played, they liked his fit, whatever. It's everybody in big draft media told me that this guy sucks because, or not that he sucks, that he should have been a third round pick instead of a second round pick. So I'm going to destroy him and talk about how much he sucks all the, and his draft position every time he's ever on the field it's unfair to the kid he will never win he's already lost with fans you know and it happened it's happened again it happened again tonight it's happening again at jackson carmen and he may prove to be very good and for his sake i hope he is and a lot of people that filled up vitriol into the abyss tonight have to eat their words on that just for that sake. But it's disgusting, man, the way people unload crap on a kid who's just getting it to live his dream out because you think the team reached for him. And maybe they did, but too often it it gets it goes after the kid. This kid sucks, you suck and that, and and he's going to be treated and felt that way the same way Drew Sample has been the next few years. And I'm going to hop off my soapbox on that. But I just like it irks me. And people have their right to be frustrated with the Bengals. You should be if you you had higher expectations for that pick and you feel like they screwed it up. Like, absolutely. But the way it goes down where it's uh, it's just giving this kid no shot and just getting just going in on him. Ah, man, I hate how that happens. I hate how that happens. And it's happening again. I agree. I hate it too, and and I especially hate it because Drew is such a good guy. Uh, but I think this I think this one's a little different for a couple reasons. Number number one, the Drew Sample one. I think everybody was kind of like it came out of left field that they went for a tight end there. I don't think anyone was expecting them to go tight end. So just the fact that they went off script position wise. At least this is everybody knew they had to go O-line and they went O-line. And maybe it wasn't the guy that they were expecting. 
but it was still a need that they had to fill and it, it made sense position wise. The other thing is with Jackson Carmen being a local guy, you wonder if, if he catches a break there and people are more behind him because he is a local kid. I don't know. There's a lot of Bengal fans obviously that are over, overseas and, and they live in different parts of the country, but the vast majority are right here in Cincinnati. And I think they're going to want to root for a local kid. And I, I, I think those two reasons will, will make this a little bit different situation, a little bit better situation for Jackson Carmen. We'll see. Uh, I hope so. Uh, for his sake. I mean, he, you know, we met him tonight a little bit. Seems like a very affable guy, proud, mm-hmm. proud Fairfield high school grad. That's right. Uh, yeah. Go Indians. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. He he did spurn the Buckeyes uh, to to go to Clemson. So I don't know if the Ohio State people don't like that, but uh, you know, seems like a very. I mean, he you know he's in his he's in his house. He's got all his family, and they go nuts because he's staying there. And he's talking about how this is an absolute dream come true, and all that stuff. And and you know. You're happy. For, you got it. You're happy for a kid if you see him in that moment and understand what this means to him and to be able to play here at home in front of his family, even if he never gave a hoot about the Bengals growing up. Like that's fine. Like it's just, it's cool for him. And I and and I hate that there's like this negativity surrounding this kid, who you know, is just having the the greatest moment of his life. I, I as soon as they drafted him, I had this immediate regret. And this was just this was this is bad of me. So Sunday, I meet a friend for beers. Uh, Sunday afternoon at a at a bar that here in Fairfield that we go to from time to time, and my friend smokes. So we go out on the patio so he can smoke a cigarette. And Jason Krause, Jackson Carmen's high school coach, is sitting out there with his wife. And I know him. I I did a story last year. Another Fairfield kid got drafted. And so I, I sat down with Jason. I know Jason. I've known his dad from covering high schools all those years ago. I said hello, and I left it at that because my friend was right in the middle of a story as we walked out there. And I, I should have stopped by the table and just been like, hey, h- how interested are the Bengals in Jackson Carmen? How, how, have they been calling you to vet him just to kind of get a gauge of, of what their interest was? It, I just – it's one of those second we we second guess the front office all the time. We second guess the players. I'm second guessing myself for that one. I I could have maybe got a little insight there, and I just I let it go. Yeah, I mean, you know, but when a good when your buddy's telling a good story, it wasn't a good story. He was just talking. <laughs> it was an okay story. Oh, for an okay story, it needed to be a good. At least it was a good story. You know, uh, something about you know maybe throwing. Throwing two liters at cops or something. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing, <laughs> you know, something that crazy gripping. like that. Totally. No, fictional. no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that's um, kind of, I guess that's where we're at with what happened with Jackson Carmen. Let's, let's move to Osai real quick. I like this mm-hmm. pick. I do. Um, you know, I, here's the, the words that you hear spilled about him everywhere you look. We had a story, our, our writer at, at Texas. Um, wrote about him, and you open the story and start reading. And it's all about the kid with the relentless motor, and just it's not just 
not just uh you know good not just great it is phenomenal in that it's just you just don't see guys that play like this with just their hair on fire just going hard all the time and that is kind of what has made him and he is a freak athlete freak athlete mm-hmm. the uh relative athletic score on him is is like by the explosion aspect off the charts, like he's 256 pounds with a 42 vert and like 11 broad. I mean, he's it's this, it's stuff that's not really been seen much at that height and weight at any position. And uh, so he's, he's got all this physical skills. He's got this insane drive. He's a little stiff going around the corner. So his like his lateral movement isn't super, um, and his bend isn't as, as good as you maybe like it to be, which is how you get somebody with that kind of work ethic and this kind of explosion uh, in the third round. But he's very raw in that he they just kind of started getting him back to playing edge just this past year, and he started really taking off. He had a crap load of TFLs. He led the Big 12 and that. He led Texas in sacks. He's, he's a he, – He's a really interesting person, you know, getting to know his backstory a little bit and talking to him a little bit tonight. Uh, outgoing guy. He's got some charisma to him. I, I like this pick, and it hits him right where they need it. He, he, he just reeks of Carl Lawson, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. a rotational pass rusher going to come in, a freak athlete with some maybe some things you don't like it, but people are like, man, this guy can really play. Coming in that rotational role, not a lot of pressure on him immediately to be the guy. And it's it's really a, it does seem a pretty snug fit for what they're looking for. Yeah, I mean, all the mocks that we did, he's all he was always sitting there at thirty eight, and it was always tempting. You're you're thinking this guy could be a fit, and again, if you flip him and they take him in the second round of Jackson Carmen in the third, you're you're saying that that's a that's a good second day. Um, the 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 this thing you talked about the story mentioned in his motor, it also mentioned. He hit 20 miles an hour in practice, you know, with the GPS trackers. I mean, we, we kind of saw that in the Zoom, that, that that motor was on display. It was charisma, but he was, I mean, he was into it. He was he was loving talking to the media and really having fun, joking around. Uh, ben Baby asked him about that or told him, are you aware there's no Whataburger in Cincinnati? And he, he kind of, you know, feigned the what? Like, Maybe I don't want to go there. I mean, it was just he, he had a lot of fun with the interview. He's he's fired up. He can't wait to get here. And it, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see when when he does. He he may have the uh, largest cheering section uh, in the stadium <laughs> among players because he talked. That's the reason he stayed at Texas. He had offers. You uh, see, was actually his first offer, and uh, he had one at Notre Dame and he didn't want to go that far away from home because he wanted his family to be able to see him play. And the, the schools, he asked the schools what they could do to get his family there. And like, well, we can get him tickets, but it's up to you to, to get him here. And now he's making money. And I, I think he's going to have that whole extended family uh, coming up to these games. Um, I do. I love the pick. I, 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 it was, it was a need. And I just, if Jackson Carmen was a reach, Joseph Osai seems like a steal. I, I I really did not expect him to be there in the third round. Yeah, 
the interesting backstory. So he's he's from Nigeria. Him and his family are from Nigeria. They won a lottery in Nigeria to come. This is because Dane Brugler is incredible. Like this is just you just read like he's got all this on everybody. But it, it, they won a lottery in Nigeria to come over and be American citizens, come and have residence. And so him and he has five siblings and these three younger brothers. They come over and all start making their way and making names for himself. And he discovers football. He'd never known anything about it, the game at all until he basically got over here and takes to it and becomes this great football player. And then tried to make his brothers fall on his pass. And lo and behold, two of his brothers are playing in college football now because he wanted to kind of expose them to that world. And it's just, you know, it's, it, there's just a lot to like about the kid and, um, in a nice, uh, I think a very nice third round pick there for the Bengals. Here's an interesting side note before we dive into a, a look at, at sun at Saturday's picks. Were the Bengals too need heavy? I mean, they went <laughs> to the T like we have talked about. This is like going chalk in this draft was going to be receiver line edge. Just like yeah. check their three boxes off that they have. Right. Those are the open spots on the roster. Those are the spots you need to fill. And I, it, were they so focused on checking those boxes? They forgot about the, the need to go BPA too, you know, and, and have a little bit of flexibility. Uh, I wonder, and that's and that's probably mostly about the Carmen pick, you know, where right. should, should, at that point, should they, when you're talking about that, should you be talking more about some of the defensive linemen that were on the board there? Because there were plenty, and there were different directions that you could go. And to do that there, I, I wonder if they they put themselves in a box too much. I don't know. That's speculation. That's me just off the top of my head. But there was a lot of things you could have done there. I mean, the idea that you could have gotten one of those, one of the only two real defensive tackles in this draft. I mean, maybe they didn't like him as much. But the idea that you could have gotten one of the two of them if you didn't trade out uh, is an interesting thought. <laughs> Because you know, I don't think people really you really thought for that you'd have a shot at somebody at guys like that. But you know, neither here nor there at this point. Even after trading out, they had a, a shot at some guys. Um, I'm not even going to the Notre Dame linebacker. I'm not going to try to say his name. No, and right. Yeah. Ojalari was there still there too. Right when, when they yeah. took Carmen, but I do think they took BPA uh, with Chase and with Osai. So yes, it, it comes down if if. if if, if we're talking about where they too need based, it comes down to the Carmen pick, and I, I, I think you can argue whether he was the right guy or not. But it was they had to. They after they took Chase in the first round, we talked about it last night. They would have got killed if they passed on an offensive lineman in the second round. They had to take one there. Um, you, you never want to draft for need, but it they had to take someone there. You can argue with who it was. But I, I don't I don't think they were over overly reliant on need just because Chase and Osai, yeah, they were needs, but they also fit the BPA. No, you're right. I mean you you had to you had to take somebody. You know, you just wonder if that's the right somebody and uh and that opens up to thinking about other things. But uh so so it goes. All right, let's just take a quick break. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On to Sunday. Um, let's talk real quick about what to expect on a Saturday. It's, I, I'm on to Sunday uh, in my I, head. I, yeah, I would love to be on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, oh if, if only. <laughs> oh, my God. That's where I'm at right now. It's... Jay, it's twelve forty nine in the AM as we as I'm speaking right now into this microphone. So we still have stories to write. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's um, let's just real quick go down what I think you're going to see them look for now with with, with these extra th- three. You're now having the three fourth rounders, the fifth, and the two sixes, and and the seven. I mean, you've got a lot of action uh, on this day and a lot of different boxes you can check for some hope for guys i think this means we'll see a kicker now not in the fourth round but i think this means that with that seventh or one of those two sixes i think they probably the extra pick allows them to get the flyer on the kicker they really want i think it definitely puts running back in the fourth round in play Mm -hmm. And, and I, I think that was the one thing where I was like, well, how are you going to do all that? How are, you know, you want to get the geo replacement, but good God, you need to be taking a double swings here at the offensive line. It's in the defensive line at some point. And then if you get to the fifth, is it even worth it? Right. And we talked about that, how in the fourth, they'd love to do that. But well, now I think this allows that. And lo and behold, Michael Carter, North Carolina, Kenneth Gainwell of Memphis are both sitting there. Dane has a 68 overall draft board number on Gainwell. Um, and a lot of people love Carter even more than Gainwell. They're, these are really good receiving running backs. And those are just a couple of actually multiple that are that are really there. I got to tell you, I'd be stunned if they didn't use one of these three fourth round picks on on one of these receiving running backs that's there. And maybe the first one. I think it will be the first one. I, I just again, it, it goes to need, but you're 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 probably going to have. I would assume another one's going to be an offensive lineman, but you're you're going to get a better quality player if, if you go for one of those running backs first. And I know from it was early in the process, but it, from the the people with the team that I talked to at the Senior Bowl, they they do really like Michael Carter. They they like everything you said at the pass catching ability. The guy that the fact that he was a a split carry back in college, so he, he doesn't have the wear and tear, um, and and gain well too. Um, but I could see them going either one of those guys. And the thing is, you would maybe like those picks to be a little more bunched because what are they? They're they're one eleven. 122 and 139 so it's a pick then 11 later a pick and then 17 later another pick so they're those are kind of spread out you you would like to have kind of that double up they had that year with malik jackson and and sam hubbard being back to back but i i still i could i think one's an offensive lineman one's a running back and then maybe the other one is bpa maybe they they take a flyer on a tight end maybe they they go o-line again Maybe maybe they go three offensive linemen if they're not. It, it sounds weird, but if they're not totally sold 
on Jackson Carmen, who they took in the second round. But there are questions playing a new position, the back. It it it, it wouldn't necessarily be a ding on their on their confidence. It's just covering your bases. Um, but I, I could see a, a scenario where two of the three are offensive linemen. Absolutely, and I mean, I think you know, there's the defensive line. There's some intriguing uh, defensive tackles. Davion Nixon is a really intriguing name to keep an eye on here because you're taking a bit of a flyer on a guy who had knocks for maturity and issues going through community college. But uh, there actually, I remember reading a great story about him and how he really came of age and found some maturity in his, his last year. And, and there's a lot of hope that he's kind of worked through some of that stuff, but, it, but as a physically gifted player, he's got a lot of tools and, you know, that's a position they need. I don't want to have to keep talking about how they love fourth round defensive <laughs> linemen and how it has worked out a whole lot over the years. Um, way back through the years, including the 2006 story that you talked about involved mm-hmm. a fourth round pick named Domita Pecco. You know, they took Gino Adkins, they took Carl Lawson in the fourth round. They, you know, they've ta- they've done all, they've gone this direction before. And, you know, in the year when they're trying to replace A.J. Green, they take a receiver fifth overall. In the year when they're trying to replace Geno Atkins, do they take an interior defensive lineman in the fourth round? I mean, Makes it's a very real possibility, and it would make sense. It would have nice symmetry to it. I feel like the Bengals do enjoy good symmetry. Uh, so Davian Nixon, Marvin Wilson is a guy um, that Marion Hobby worked out down at Florida State, so potentially if you're looking for somebody there that could be in the mix, not necessarily in the fourth round, maybe later on, uh, but keep an eye on him as the day unfolds. And we've got the Pittsburgh uh, the Pittsburgh edges sitting out there. Rashad Weaver mm-hmm. is out there. Uh, Cameron Sample from Tulane, a guy a lot of people like, is sitting out there. So there's defensive linemen on the table I think you could go to. I mean, to me, if I'm betting, what maybe the chalk, again, would be some combination of Running back, O line, defensive line. Let's talk about the offensive line, guys. Any that stand out to you uh, of the offensive line? I've got a few in front of me here. One, I mean, one is local. If we're going to do the local thing, right? James Hudson. Hudson, yeah, he's out there, and a lot of people thought he'd be gone by now, right? And I'm sure he thought he would be gone by (laughs) now. And maybe you get a guy who can who can be a little motivated by that. Um, They certainly should have pretty good intel at UC. Um, <laughs> with Zach Taylor and with being right down the road. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some of their backyards butt up against each other. So uh, so I think um, that could be somebody. Trey Smith is a really interesting person uh, who has just physical tools upon physical tools from Tennessee, plays guard, um, but has didn't quite put it together down there. But it's like, man, if you could get this guy to put it together, he could really be something. So those are a few stone Forsyth from Florida. Um, is a guy that I know some of the scouts are pretty high on. It's not Bengals scouts, but you know the offensive line scouts that do exist out there that you see high up on some of these boards. I like Trey Smith, but I I I, I start to wonder if they get too lopsided with interior guys versus tackles because you you know you. Yes, Jackson Carmen maybe can be a, a tackle down the road, but he's he's a guard this year, and they they still they need a true tackle. I think to be 
Carmen can be the swing tackle if somebody gets hurt, but that's not ideal. Then you're moving him out to to tackle, and then you're putting somebody else in at guard. I, I think Hudson would make the most sense. He's he's the best tackle remaining, the local connection. Um, I, it it feels like best player they would go running back first, but if if they are intent on getting a true tackle. Hudson might be the only one that's worthy of a fourth round pick there. It, it really kind of drops off after that. It's, it's getting pretty thin in the tackle class. If they are intent on getting a tackle, they should have used a pick on a tackle back in the second <laughs> round because it's not getting thin. It's thinned. Yes. It's that you're not finding real tackles at this point. Certainly nobody that's going to help you this year. Michael Carter or Kenneth Gainwell help you this year. They help you immediately. They give you that third down chain. They give you explosion. Kenneth Gainwell, think Antonio Gibson, who we saw in Washington. Same school, same, same school. style, same player-ish, you know, same type of guy. And Gibson had such a huge impact for Washington football team. Michael Carter, Think Giovanni Bernard, same <laughs> school, same style, same type of deal. He's not Giovanni Bernard, but think, you know, there is, there are a lot of similarities there. Um, you know, so you can be getting something really good there um, that can help you this year. So if you're delineating between 111 and 122, I mean, how – how many of those offense is there going to be a run on these t- on these offensive line? I don't think so. I mean, I think there's whoever whoever it is. I don't. They're they're probably going to be there when you pick it either one. Who knows? But I I, I like the immediacy of what you can even get with the uh, with with the running back. If and and eleven picks later, take the whatever the offensive lineman uh, that you like. Yeah, and maybe if if one of those running backs goes before one eleven, then what you talked about before with the flexibility with the extra picks, maybe they they package the the last pick in the fourth and um, or a six or something like put together something to move up and make sure they get the other guy, whether Gainwell goes first and you get Carter or vice versa. But it it I'm not I'm not sold that they're done. Dealing. I mean, I could see that happening if there's a guy that they they really want. They've got the capital to do that now to move back up a few spots. We've seen them do that in the past: move down and then turn around and move up in the fourth. Uh, did it for Michael Jordan. Did it for Ryan Finley. Um, so that I don't think that's out of the, the the question at all. Boy, you know how to sell a tactic, Jay. Did it for Michael <laughs> Jordan, Ryan Finley. Law of averages. <laughs> got to work this time. It's third time's the charm. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it could – if there is, you know, because they really – you know, I think what they had – they had pretty clearly had their eyes on edge rusher there in the third. They haven't really you – know, there could have been alignment that they had a very, very, very nice grade on that has just sat around that other teams maybe haven't seen as well that's been sitting there and they can't believe it. And, and maybe they do – push up to try to make something like that happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. There's definitely a chance they could they could go for that. Um, we shall see. Uh, I, maybe they throw a linebacker in and tight end. I mean, there could be some odds and ends here at the end, but I think the fourth round is going to be the one to watch for them trying, uh, trying to check off a few more boxes. They really want to check off and, and doubling up on that offensive line for sure. So, all right. Jay, we've got stories to write. 
and not sleep to get. Yeah, it starts in 11 <laughs> hours again. <laughs> we'll be right back at it. We'll be coming in hot. <laughs> so everybody, make sure you uh, go to theathletic.com um, and, and check out all of our coverage from Draft Weekend. It's it's so cool to see all the uh, the college stories just show up as soon as a guy is picked. So, you, I mean, if you want the, the true deep written story on whoever the Bengals just picked, boom, they pick them and there it is. Uh, there's the Yosai story uh, from Texas, and and we've got stories on on Carmen. We got we have all this stuff that's already it's great, um, and all that has come together. It's been a lot of fun to watch, and it's all up there on the site right now. And there are subscription big big time subscription deals happening uh, on our stories right now. If you just go to click on the link, and it'll show up, and you can get a really good deal. So highly recommend that, or just go to theathletic.com/slash hear that podcast growling. And you can subscribe there. So, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you when the draft wraps on Saturday night. So, have a good one, everybody. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.